You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Get more from Buck by following him on social media at Buck Sexton on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. One of the laws that have to be confirmed and I think reaffirmed are state laws. So it's not in our purview, but the state laws are set and then we have federal elections. So what we've heard about what happened in Wisconsin, what happened in Nevada, I think is absolutely true. And we have to prevent it from happening again. I think state legislators, legislatures will need to reaffirm that election law can only be chained by a state legislature. So I think there's a lot of work to be done. While we will not dictate it to the states, I think we should have here going into the next year, hearing from state legislatures and what they're going to do to make sure election law is upheld, not changed by people who are not legislators. And uh, we do have an interest in that. I don't want it to be federalized. Many on the other side of the aisle would just soon federalize it and mail everybody a ballot and we'll have this universal corruption throughout the land. But what I think we need to do is keep it at the state level. But we can't just say it didn't happen. We can't just say, oh, 4,000 people voted in Nevada that were non-citizens and we're just going to ignore it. We're going to sweep it under the rug. So the courts have decided the facts. The courts have not decided the facts. The courts never looked at the facts. The courts don't like elections and so they stayed out of it by finding an excuse, standing or otherwise, to stay out of it. But the fraud happened. The election in many ways was stolen and the only way it'll be fixed is by in the future reinforcing the laws. The fraud happened. Welcome to the Buck Sexton Show, everybody. I I wanted to do a deep dive with you today into what we know so far and and make sure that we separate out the difference between getting justice in the process and having the process uh, continue to hold and go on as it stands. It's not the same thing. A process does not guarantee a good result. Our electoral process not only does not guarantee a good result from the perspective of candidates, but also from the perspective of whether or not it was a free and fair election. That's what we are seeing. There are not the safeguards that you would think are in place because so many of them were removed by Democrats intentionally. They pushed aside So many things that would be there specifically. And they do this all the time. They don't like voter ID. They don't they always fight any effort to make it harder to commit fraud. And so what Rand Paul is saying here, and he said this during the hearing, I read the entire transcript of this Senate hearing yesterday. And what Rand Paul is saying is absolutely true. Uh, There was fraud. And no one can prove that there was not the fraud that is even specifically being alleged. The courts are just saying, look, not not our deal, not our situation. We're not getting involved. They have decided to just leave this to the process. They're not going to change it. And that's what I've been telling. you. I've seen this coming all along. But that's a far cry from saying that there was nothing that actually was fraudulent about this election, which I know you're going to be told. And they're going to tell you that a lot. And the people who spent four years lying about Russia collusion as a means of undermining our democracy, undermining the 2016 election. Now they're going to pretend like they've been honest characters in this whole drama. And they weren't. They were frauds. They were abject frauds. But that's something that we have to continue to push to get the answers about what are the specifics of the fraud. I read through, you know, Ron Johnson 
Uh, Senator Johnson had some pretty fiery moments during that hearing. I looked at all the different questions and you had Ken Starr there. You had uh, you had Krebs, the fired election security guy. His his writ, his mandate really was just about foreign interference in the election. And he's saying that it was great in terms of preventing that. But he has no answers about did people double vote in Nevada? Did people who were illegal aliens vote in Nevada? Did people who uh, voted too late in Pennsylvania, should their votes be discounted? There are, there are all these very legitimate questions. But, I mean, let's just start with this. How many dead people voted in the election? If someone tells you the answer is zero, they're lying to you. How many people double voted in the election? If someone says there's, there were zero, they're lying to you. How many illegal aliens voted in the election? And so on and so forth. It's not that this stuff has been disproven. It's that we don't have a platform. We don't have an avenue for getting this to a place in the process where anything can be done about it because judges will not toss out large quantities of ballots. Democrats flooded the zone. They made it so that this election was a free for all. They knew what they were doing when they did it. And we're dealing with the result. That's all I've been telling you. I'm as certain as you are that there was fraud. And I think there was substantial enough fraud that it did cost Trump a few of these states. But we've been unable to prove it in the process. And that's not going to change because the judges won't take it up. They say there's no standing. They say they, you know, there's some procedural reason why they can't do this. And so what I've been trying to tell you is to prepare yourself for that reality. I'm not saying don't push, don't bring the legal challenges. I've supported them every step of the way. But I have seen what is going on here. I understand how bureaucracies function and how they can choose to not function when they want to, when it's in their interest. And that's why don't ever let them tell you because they will. There was no fraud. That's gaslighting. That's a lie. And don't ever let them tell you that mail-in balloting is not somehow an enormous open invitation for more fraud than would otherwise be in an election. I want to tell you a little story now, one that some of you may know. I'll take you back to the northeastern United States, traveling from New York to Baltimore in 1864. President Abraham Lincoln is running for reelection. It's toward the end of the vicious, bloody, very high casualty civil war. And there's a fellow named Orville Wood who is tasked with making sure that this Newly instituted system in a number of states like New York of mail in ballots for soldiers from the front lines would be executed properly. Now, may not surprise you to know that when all was said and done, over 70 percent of soldiers were voted or voting for Abraham Lincoln and his National Union Party. And that there was. Plenty of reason to understand why, given all that they had sacrificed, all they had fought for, that Lincoln was going to be the recipient of those votes in advance of the actual counting. So what did the opposition do here? Well, you had this guy, Orville Wood, who was just a merchant from northeastern New York state. He was a supporter of Abraham Lincoln, and he was supposed to visit the troops from his hometown to see how things were going with this mail-in voting. And everyone knew that the, the result of this 1864 election was going to have a profound impact on the outcome, the final outcome of the war. Lincoln wanted to continue until absolute victory, 
But the anti-war Democrats, yes, that's right, the Democrats. I know, isn't it amazing? You look back in our history, so much villainy falls at the feet of the Democrat Party. But the anti-war Democrats, they were called copperheads at the time. They were looking for some kind of a way to get a negotiated peace with the Confederacy. And they also, of course, opposed the abolition movement in its entirety. So this is another way of saying they're the bad guys in this tale. So the troops from New York were able to vote from the front lines, mail in. And sure enough, when this this fellow, Mr. Orville Wood, gets to Fort McHenry in Baltimore, he's visiting the 91st New York Regiment. There's an army captain who says something about, quote, checker playing with soldiers ballots, checker playing with soldiers ballots. What's going on? What what is that all about? And then Wood goes to visit wounded men at Newton University Hospital. And then he hears more about this. And he keeps hearing soldiers say that something funky is going on with these mail-in ballots. And sure enough, he went all the way to the office of Moses Ferry in Baltimore. Ferry was chosen by New York Governor Horatio Seymour to oversee this process. Again, for enlisted soldiers on the front line, fighting a a terrible war and their voice needed to be heard for the republic right their voice was an essential part of this electoral process and wood enters this guy ferry's office and he pretends that he's a george mcclellan supporter and sure enough he is brought in on the scheme there's a guy sitting across the room signing ballots from names that had been brought from Wood's hometown. In fact, Wood asked them if he could deliver these fraudulent ballots. That's right. They had a fake ballot operation going on, just signing the names of of soldiers on the front lines who were not actually at all involved in casting their ballots. And so he got involved in this process, this Mr. Wood. And it was during this con- it was during this process that he found out that there were about 20 co-conspirators a co-conspirators who are working not just in baltimore but also in dc all delivering votes for mcclellan and sure enough he found out that they were passing names of active enlistment active enlisted men the wounded dead soldiers officers who never existed just straight up old school ballot fraud all based in mail-in ballots so they were just filling this out and and going to these uh, going to these obvious lengths. If you were around them, because it was already rumored what was going on here, that they were trying to make sure that they delivered a state uh, that they delivered the election for Lincoln's opponent. And so they also were people who opposed the abolition movement. This was critical. If Lincoln had lost reelection, it would have changed the trajectory of the country. So you have these men who are involved in this mail-in balloting scheme for Democrats, and they're sending back crates of fake ballots to be counted in this election. And Wood called the authorities, went to call on them. Obviously, there were no phones. And sure enough, on the morning of October 27th, 1864, two weeks before the election, there was a military commission held, and the men confessed to the scheme And they were initially sentenced to life in prison. This was taken very seriously to be involved in ballot fraud in a time of war. 
life in prison. And Lincoln, before he was shot, was a supporter of that sentence to give you an idea of how much he thought this was a grave offense. So the people who tell you that there's no election fraud are either historical ignoramuses or they're liars. This is just one of many instances of election fraud that have happened in this country. But this one specifically used mail-in ballots. This one looked at a process that really hasn't changed all that much. And the moment that you allow people to do this and you separate the chain of custody, you, you disaggregate the showing up in front of people with observers, people recognize that it's a lot easier to cheat. And so what do the Democrats do in 1864 to try to end the abolition movement and defeat Abraham Lincoln toward the end of the Civil War? They cheated with mail-in ballots. Yeah, but don't worry. The Democrats of today are here to tell you that they would never do such a thing and that there's no such thing as cheating in an election. They are liars. They are frauds. And we will not let this pass. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Get the latest news and information from Buck by heading to BuckSexton.com. I I think it would be healthy for the country, Lou, if we had a debate on January 6th about all this, because the mainstream press certainly hasn't covered these hearings in these states where there's been such concerns about how the election was 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 done. So let's let this let's let it play out and let's have a real debate on January 6th. I think that'd be when you have Lou, when you have over a third of the electorate think this election was stolen. That is not a healthy situation for your country. And yet the left says, oh, you got to stop now. You can't have a debate. You can't keep the president can't pursue all his legal options. We shouldn't even have a debate on the floor on January 6th. That is just wrong. It is wrong. And it also is about showing that we haven't forgotten what happened for the last four years. It's about reminding the Democrats that the fraud that they perpetrated against the president with the Russia collusion hoax will not go unpunished. It really is stunning. It's amazing. Now they pretend like we don't remember anything. We didn't suffer through all the nonsense, all the idiocy of the Russia hoax of Russia gate. They talk about the need to protect our sacred democracy. Uh, They called the president a traitor. They had a special counsel looking at him and his family. They lied about FBI investigations. They used the surveillance apparatus of the intelligence community against a presidential campaign. This is the kind of thing that does happen in pseudo-democratic dictatorships all over the world. That's what happens. The security apparatus is used to crush the opposition. And Trump wasn't just the opposition to Hillary Clinton. He was the opposition to the political elites and the establishment. So they circled the wagons. They did everything they could to destroy him, and they still weren't successful the first time around. So what did they do the second time around? Come up with a way to change all the rules of the game, which they did. That is a fact in an election year in ways that they knew would benefit them. Why would it benefit them? Why is it all of a sudden just always assumed that when there are fewer rules for an election, it benefits Democrats? Because Republicans don't like convenience? Republican voters can't use the mail? No, I think we all understand that Democrats do fraud. When it comes to elections, this is their province. This is their expertise. And as long as there's no voter ID... As long as they're because who, who, who shouldn't be voting convicted felons, for example, who do they vote for if they can? Democrats 10 to one 
illegal aliens shouldn't be voting. Who do they vote for? Democrats. So if you eliminate all the safeguards, if you get rid of all the guardrails, what do you have? A free for all that's going to, at the end of the day, benefit the benefit the Democratic Party. And that's what happened. So make no mistake about it. I'm not telling you Joe Biden won the election fair and square. I'm telling you that they managed to abuse and manipulate the process in such a way that we cannot use the process to get a just result. It's not the same thing as saying, yeah, well, you know, Joe did a great job. Of course not. But it's a recognition of where we are. If you don't have judges who are willing to take this up, if you don't have the courage at that level of this process, then it's never going to it's never going to work. And we've seen nothing that would lead any of us to believe that that's going to change anytime soon. So that's why I'm trying to say we still need to fight for the answers here. I read through that transcript yesterday. There's so many questions. Did or did not. Three thousand or so people who uh, are illegal aliens, did they vote in Nevada or did they not? We should be able to get a definitive answer on that. The courts won't take it up, though, and the people looking into it don't have law enforcement authority. They don't have subpoena power. Did or did not. Uh, did they or didn't they have people who were dead voting? My friend Sean Parnell says that when he had in, in Pennsylvania, they did a canvas of nursing homes. They found a few thousand ballots that all looked like they had the same signature, the same handwriting. Is, is that a, is that a lie? Uh, he wouldn't lie. So what's going on? Ah, that's right. The process does not have fast enough answers and remedies for this. And that is what we are continuing to deal with. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. For more Buck, head to BuckSexton.com. And remember to subscribe to the podcast. How far integrated into the Ukrainian economy did uh, Hunter Biden get when he was on the board of Burisma? Somebody needs to look at his time on the board of Burisma. Somebody needs to look at his business dealings regarding China to see if any crimes were committed. But mainly, I think, that to see what kind of conflicts, if any, the Biden administration may have. I'm absolutely calling on a special counsel to look at all things Hunter Biden to see if he presents a conflict with the Biden administration regarding his business dealings in Ukraine, which is overrun with Russian agents and any activity he with the Chinese government. A special counsel to look into Hunter Biden. I think it's a good idea. I also wish that Attorney General Barr hadn't been unfairly maligned by so many on the right and, and, and attacked by the president when he shouldn't. He shouldn't have been. I'm just going to tell you, it was not it was not a fair assessment that was going on here. The president's very upset about the election. I understand that. I share that that sentiment. But it's not Bill Barr's fault. It's just not. And you would want a competent attorney general in the role right now who understands what the deep state and the Democrats have tried to do in the past to be in a position to appoint a, a, a special counsel. But I don't think it's going to happen now. It should, though. Remember this. Everything that was done to Republicans by the Democrats as part of hashtag resist. We should revisit upon them now. We could call it uh, Operation Reciprocity, like the clear and present danger CIA operation from the movie Clear and Present Danger, which, as you know, I like to reference on this show because I've seen it a million times. 
Operation Reciprocity. We do to them what they do to us. Isn't that necessary? Isn't that central to our system? If we have equal justice under the law, doesn't that equal justice have to mean that Democrats are subject to the same kinds of investigations and the same aggressive checks and balances that Republicans were during the four years of Trump's uh, Trump's term? I, I certainly think so. And in fact, if you look at why a special counsel exists, the Hunter Biden case in many ways, even more so than Russia collusion, although there are Obama administration figures that will be in a Biden White House. Uh, but it's really for exactly this kind of a circumstance where you have the son of a president under federal investigation. That is why you'd have a special counsel to insulate that uh, that legal effort from the pressures that come directly from the commander in chief. So there's a great it is a great example of when you should have a special counsel. And I call for one right away. I'm glad to see that there are others who are now saying, yeah, special counsel. Nice. Some of us think faster than others on this stuff. Do I think one will happen, though? No. Now, why is that? There is still a kind of virtue signaling that exists on the right. There is still a a desire to seem like at, at, at the most opportune moment, some people who are Republicans, who are in prominent positions, they, they want to be the ones who seem like they're above it all. This is kind of the Romney approach, although Romney also is just very bitter about Trump. And we, we know that, you know, he's actually an egomaniac and that Trump uh, offends him. And so that's why he voted to have the president of the United States removed from office in the way that he did. But there are Republicans out there who want to say, no, no, we don't do that. We don't play rough like that. And that's still very widespread. And some of them are prominent senators. Some of them are political consultants that get to go on Fox News every five minutes. They, they still think that we we aspire to make the Democrats at the end of the day to make the Democrats like us in the way that we conduct ourselves in these political battles. Democrats don't give don't give a, a squat about what any of you or what I think about their conduct during Trump. That's been very clear. They don't apologize. They don't ever say that they went a little overboard. No, they they only are upset about one thing, and that is that they were not ultimately successful in destroying the Trump presidency. And that is it. That is it. But they are very happy that they feel they were able to stack the deck for this election in a way that benefited them and that made the fraud so easy and so uh made it so easy and so amorphous at the same time, right? It can happen in so many different states, a few thousand here, a few thousand there. How do you track all this stuff down that it was bound to be a an enormous benefit for them? And it was, and it was. But should we have a special counsel to look into Hunter Biden? Yes, we absolutely should. I mean, this guy was saying back for his make-believe, what, Sino Hawk Holdings, Everything that Tony Bobolinsky said on on Tucker Carlson's show in that long interview that I'm sure many of you saw, everything that was said was true. That Bobolinsky said uh, that guy clearly just spoke up because he's like, this is appalling. The Bidens are corrupt. And we're seeing more and more that that China is our primary national security and economic concern. No question. I mean, it's it's by far by miles and miles. And the Democrats spent four years with this. Russia hysteria that came at a cost, not only a cost to the administration, to the Trump administration, but also the cost of making sure that we didn't 
as a people, as a country, pay nearly enough attention to the threat from the Chinese Communist Party. And we are paying for that. That was a mistake. That was an error. And that's why when Hunter Biden, Joe Biden, these individuals uh, are, are going to be able to now direct foreign policy of the United States. I mean, Hunter, not officially, but, you know, he can always talk to his dad. And that was the whole hook. That was the point. Hunter was selling access to his powerful and connected dad. That's why he's asking a Chinese oligarch, according to emails that have been released, uh, for, for $10 million. I can tell you, $10 million is a lot of money. $10 million is something that, you know, you usually got to do a considerable amount to get that kind of cash. You know, this isn't $50,000 under a table for some local city councilman or something. This is this is real money. And we're supposed to pretend that this didn't mean anything. Why would we believe that the Democrats were so willing to corrupt the Justice Department to have FBI agents lie, to have senior DOJ officials cover up, to have James Comey go forward and bail out Hillary Clinton by saying that no honest prosecutor would bring charges against her for clear violations of federal statute. Why would we think that now? Oh, when a Biden presidency uh, has the problem of a son who not only was it's not just that Hunter Biden was doing corrupt stuff. It's that he was leveraging his dad, his relationship with his dad and bringing his dad into it. And his dad is looking like he's going to be president, friends. He is now officially the president elect. That is a fact. I know I don't like saying it out loud, but it is a fact. And you have Hunter Biden knowing this whole time that he'll get a pass. This is the great double standard. Democrats are so emotionalized about their politics. They, they view it as so intrinsic to their very being. They're so certain that they're good people, that they're the better people out there, that if they have to break rules, if they have to dispense with principles at the first moment of any any problem for them, they, it's all it's all for the greater good. You see, it's for the collective good. And they're just simply fine with that. They have no problem with that. I do. And I think that we need to understand that it's going to get ugly now. And we have to make it ugly because otherwise there's no way that they will ever think twice about doing what they did to President Trump. We have not achieved justice for what Democrats did the first four years, the last four years of Donald Trump's presidency, not even close. And unless we understand what this game is really all about now and how they're playing it and meet them on the battlefield, the way they meet us, we're just going to keep losing. We're going to keep losing. I say no. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Get more from Buck by following him on social media at Buck Sexton on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Did China seek to influence this last election? It's a very important, very straightforward question. Did the CCP... Did our chief global rival and and likely future all out enemy, the Chinese Communist Party, uh, did did they actually have a hand in what happened? Now, I remember when Russia buying a, a pittance worth of Facebook ads was considered an urgent national security crisis and that that meant that we couldn't really trust the results of the 2016 election because a couple of troll farmers in Russia put some stuff up about hashtag lock her up on Facebook. 
Remember that? That was Russia interfered in the election. Russia interfered. That's what they told us. Well, did China interfere in this election? And what does that mean about what our response should be? If China did interfere, is Joe Biden even the legitimate victor, even based on the process as riddled with errors and fraud as we've already seen as it was? Right. Do we add this on top of all of that? We're going to treat this guy like it's legitimate, even though we have even more problems with the integrity and authenticity of this of this election process. So the intelligence community's classified assessment on foreign threats to the election this year was supposed to be released tomorrow. And now they're saying it is delayed. Why would it be delayed? Well, let's get into this for a moment. Quote, this afternoon, the D- this was from yesterday, the DNI was notified by career intelligence officials that the intelligence community will not meet the December 18th guideline set by executive order and Congress to submit the IC's classified assessment on foreign threats to the 2020 election, according to Amanda Schock, assistant DNI for strategic communications. The IC has received relevant reporting since the election and a number of agencies have not finished coordinating on the product. The DNI is committed to providing this report to our customers expeditiously. Now, I'm somebody who was involved in these kind of assessments at the CIA. I used to write assessments like this, parts of them, about things going on in the Middle East. So I know this process very well. And uh, you know what the problem is here? I can tell you, and I don't have any specific knowledge of this process of the classified and what's being said behind closed doors, but I know how the bureaucracy works and I know how the various parties involved here fight over their They call it their equities, right? Their their interests in this. And here's what's going on. There are people who are very pro Biden, who are jubilant. And most of the senior ranks of the especially we talk about the analytic cadre, which I was a part of, which is, you know, the nerd society in the intelligence community, most of the analytic cadre are Democrats. I'd say 70 to 70 to 80 percent are Democrats. Uh, that's just a guess. But again, I spent a lot of time around these people. I know. And most of them are overjoyed that they think Joe Biden has this thing in the bag. It's all over. He's he's the next president of the United States. And they're going to do everything they can to try and protect this guy. They're going to do everything, everything they can to make sure that there's not even a dissenting opinion in this intelligence community assessment that could be used because it will make its way to the press. And there's also there are there's the unclassified version of this, which is what everyone's talking about now. It's supposed to be uh, they're supposed to be released. Right. So. There's a classified assessment of it, and then usually they'll do an unclassified executive summary that'll make its way out, though that takes longer. That takes more time. Um, But why would they be so worried about this? Shouldn't they just the the, the usual standard for the IC? uh, The usual standard when I was in was that if there were really strong dissenting opinions, you include them in the reports that you have a full spectrum analysis of what's going on. And when this doesn't happen, the intelligence community often has horrifically flawed analysis that's completely wrong. So the issue here is most likely that uh, they don't want there are people who probably think that they're up for maybe a big promotion or a much better deal for themselves in a Biden administration. 
and they don't want to be a part of anything. And also for ideological reasons, they want to make sure that there's nothing that could harm good old blue collar Joe, because even if China didn't influence the election in a way that was determinative, even if China wasn't it didn't do enough. What we, we remember from Russia collusion that no sane, intelligent human being thought that some Russian Facebook ads changed the course of the 2016 election. But there was some Russian influence operation online. Therefore, we can't ever know. Sorry, Trump's invalid. That was their take. And some of the smarter people who are Democrat deep staters inside the IC, they're seeing this and they realize, whoa, we got a problem here. Because if it comes out, if it makes its way to Congress and then there's an unclassified version of this that gets that gets released, they declassify portions of the executive summary and release it. And it turns out that China tried to help Joe Biden after his son was asking a Chinese oligarch, which is basically a Chinese Communist Party businessman. You can't be a wealthy Chinese businessman without the Chinese Communist Party calling the shots for you. Asking for millions and millions of dollars, that guy, yeah, not a surprise that they that Joe Biden would be the choice of the CCP, is it? But they don't want people to know. They don't want people to be able to draw upon this and to hold the Democrats, to hold Joe Biden to the same standard that Donald Trump was held to. In fact, this would be even a very different standard, because at least this is real. At least this is a country that has the kind of influence to project itself onto our politics and change an election. China targeted sanctions against states with the whole trade war and agricultural issues meant to hurt Republicans. China actively works to the benefit of the DNC. We know this. They would much rather have complacent DNC elite establishment figures who all want to be on the board of Facebook or they all want to be getting some consulting agreement from Google. Those are the people that they want in government doing their bidding, right? Because they are going to be able to say, hey, do you want access to our Chinese market? Do you want to get rich or you want to be principled? That's the that's what the Chinese Communist Party presents to Democrats and to some Republicans. And they fall for it, too. Do you want to get rich or do you want to be principled and stand up for America? Donald Trump said, you know what? Go blank yourself, China. We're going to do this the right way. You think that a Biden administration is going to do that? You think you think that's going to happen? Of course not. This is an enormous win. I'll tell you right now. I mean, I think I think China's financial prospects for the next few years look very strong because Biden's a wimp and he's going to get rolled by them. And it's in his interest to do so. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Get the latest news and information from Buck by heading to BuckSexton.com. Let's talk about the threat from China with someone who knows it well. He's a Mandarin speaker. He's a former naval intelligence officer. He is a host at One American News and a buddy of mine, Jack Posobiec, a.k.a. Poso, in the mix here. Jack, great to have you. you. My thoughts, my thoughts exactly Great to be here today. Yeah. So tell me this. Uh, what do you think is the slowdown for this? I mean, this would be a big thing. This would be a bombshell if we have an intelligence community assessment that says that China worked in this election to influence on behalf of Joe Biden. We got Joe Biden's son in emails 
asking a Chinese Communist Party connected businessman for, you know, a wire of ten million dollars. And I'm pretty sure the rules that have been established, Jack, are if if there is foreign interference, we need a special counsel and maybe the election is just not legitimate. That's what happened for four years. Yeah, it's really amazing what's going on. So to give people the backstory on this, the DNI report is due to be on the president's desk by tomorrow, by Friday the 18th. This is set by executive order. You know, this isn't one of those reports, oh, we'll get it done when we get it done. No, 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 no. This is set by executive order for the uh, for the intel agencies writ large, which comes under that sort of capstone of the DNI as an intelligence community assessment to be on his desk 45 days after the election. And by the way, this was something that when the president signed it, uh, this had bipartisan support. Obviously, we want to know if any foreign government is interfering in our elections. This was certainly shoved down the throats of every conservative, every Trump supporter for four years straight regarding Russia. But now suddenly we've got this guy, Chris Krebs, who's going out and testifying and saying, oh, no, there was no uh, there was no interference whatsoever. Most secure, freest and fairest we've ever had. Right. Well, now it turns out and I was getting this information, reporting it out yesterday afternoon, uh, pretty early before the DNI made their announcement that there is a huge dust up going on. It's really kind of turned into a massive battle at the highest levels of our IC, literally the highest levels, the DNI over whether or not to include assessments regarding Chinese interference. And what's really interesting, and and I know you know how to read between the tea leaves on official statements from the IC as well, that they actually mentioned in the DNI's report. Now, what I had said in my reporting for One American News was that there was uh, continuing intelligence, continuing raw intelligence coming in regarding Chinese operations. What the DNI said was there was new relevant information that was received after the election. Now, reading the tea leaves a little bit, the intel community doesn't usually find out about stuff like that, that big, by the, uh, you know, long after the fact, 45 days after the fact. What most likely is going on here is that one of the 16 agencies, you probably know which one that was, had the information and didn't share it with the others, and now they're upset about it. And so you're getting into this sort of, I'm not sure what if I can say that on on, on air, uh, sort of um, a match of sorts regarding who can, you know who gets to actually cover this situation, who gets to work that problem set, work these targets, and now DNI Radcliffe is saying, look, you guys have an issue. Analytic trade craft, which we all we all learn, right? Analytic trade craft would say that when there's disputing assessments, you include them both, yes. and you include the reasons for why, and you and you set that out. That's basic. 101 level stuff but for some reason one agency is saying no you shouldn't include any assessment even though there is raw intelligence yeah and jack as as, as you i'm sure recall it's hard for outsiders to understand you from the uh, you, you come at this from the naval intelligence side i come in from the cia perspective how intense and how how much these bureaucratic turf turf battles can get deeply personal. Oh, yeah. I've seen adults in conference rooms with, uh, you know, draped with American flags and all kinds of, uh, uh, you know, regalia of the of the federal government, where people were cursing and screaming in each other's faces over over things like this, yep. over what's included in an analytic assessment. So for those on the in the outside world, this becomes incredibly heated and contentious. So that's one part of it, and that's it's it's what you alluded to before. It's who gets control of this issue going forward and the resources and the White House attention that would come with that. 
But I also have to think, and we're speaking to uh, Jack Posobiec, former naval, former naval intelligence officer and, and one American news host. I, I also think that uh, when we look at this, there is probably some element, and it might even be the majority of this, where there are some people who are very pro Biden, who are senior up in the ranks at I'm I don't know which agency I could I could take a couple of guesses who think, OK, we got an incoming Biden administration. We got to protect as much as we can this team of of adults that's coming in from the back, uh, the backlash and, and the blowback of any China. You know, that becomes a big problem for the Democrats. Any China issue of, in, of influence the election makes Joe Biden an even bigger target for the stuff that we're already seeing with Hunter Biden and everything else. So I think they may be covering for him. Yeah, that's exactly right. And we saw this as well when intelligence became politicized during an election in 2012 when the Benghazi situation happened. And you saw the intel agencies for at least for a time, right, when it mattered, they were doing everything they could to defend Barack Obama to make sure that their assessments were in line with, uh, oh, this cover story about a YouTube video rather than a terrorist attack until after the election when the truth just exploded all over the place and everybody knew what happened. And we found out, of course, that they all knew at the time what happened because it was obvious, right? Um, that's a similar situation to what you're seeing now is because they're also looking at making sure that they're in good standing with it, with what they perceive to be the incoming administration. They want to make sure that they maintain that relationship. And there are also people there who are looking at it from a perspective of keep in mind, and a lot of people have to know this, that uh, there's different stripes of and different you know sort of factions within the IC, but you do have your cold warrior types who for them Russia will always be the great bear. They are always America's uh, eternal enemy and everything you know that the IC does has to be geared towards Russia. But then you also have a younger type and uh, I think of these as like the Pete Buttigieg types uh, of, IC, of, of IC officers. He, he himself was a, uh, a reserve intelligence officer that they get their mindset from CNN, Washington Post, New York Times, and then they go into the IC. And so that that mindset, that framing of everything that's going on in the world starts with some pretty some pretty far left, right? They used to be kind of centrist, but now they're a little bit more far left in terms of their perspective, in terms of their coverage. So they already have an outsized view of Russia being a threat versus China, who we know, of course, has way more money, has way more resources. They have the Wu Mao 50 cent army of Chinese bots that was influencing U.S. Uh, social media networks in the run-up to COVID-19 and after the COVID-19 pandemic hit our shores, right? We know that China was using these operations. So it strikes me as ridiculous that the intel community wouldn't have found any information about Chinese influence operations because we already know that they're here. We're speaking to Jack Posobiec, host at One America News, former naval intelligence officer. Uh, and Jack, what do you think the Chinese Communist Party is going to try to do in a Biden administration, meaning what are their goals for the next four years? We could talk about their goals in the next 50 years if we really want to be terrified. But let's talk about the next four years. Well, so they're going back to the same mode that America was in in terms of our relationship vis-a-vis China under in the waning days of the Obama administration. There was this this phrase they used and it always shocked me and I think it shocked a lot of people 
uh, out in the world when they heard it, but not so much in, here in Washington, D.C. They talked about the managed decline of America. America is a declining power. America is on the road to uh, a soft, give America a soft landing. These are the types of phrases you would hear. And so the question that I always asked is, was when President Obama, or at times you would hear Joe Biden talk about this, when he himself went to China. Remember, he was Obama's personal envoy to China, going around with uh, Xi Jinping, going to Sichuan University, bringing his son on Air Force Two. These things all happened, regardless of uh, whether Twitter will let you talk about them or not. And so they want America to be in that declining status, moving towards where a place, quite frankly, where the UK was uh, after World War II, when America was then on the rise. They want China to be in the driver's seat as the rise to a global, not maybe not a hegemony, but a global superpower in terms of where the United States used to be, right? And I always try to explain this to people. It's not necessarily that China hates the United States. They don't have disdain for us. They actually, in, in many cases, have a lot of respect for America's past achievements. That being said, um, they want to be where we are. A Chinese guy told me once, I want to be in a position where I see Chinese families adopting American babies and not the other way around. And that, you know, and, and he didn't mean it in a negative way. He didn't mean it as an insult. He just meant that's where he wanted right. to they want to be. The, they want to be the global hegemon. There's no question about that. They're working right. toward that all the time. Jack, I, I also want to ask you about the, the Hunter Biden situation specifically, because you and I were corresponding early on about this to make sure that, you know, we were all lined up with what was really happening. And, you know, you verified important things for me to make sure that we knew that that story was was quite real when it was when it was breaking right before the election. Uh, do you think it's fair to say that Hunter Biden is compromised? By the Chinese Communist Party. I don't. You know, when you're in the IC, you're taught to look for flags, compromise flags. You're taught to look for these these indicators, right? And you're supposed to stack them. We're all given this training about, uh, oh, this person has four indicators. This five person has five indicators. I've actually worked on, which obviously can't get into, but I've actually worked on some of those situations. I have some experience with some of those situations uh, from a, from an operational perspective on on how the CCP works. Um, you know, so when I saw the Eric Swalwell situation, I said, well, yeah, this is textbook. It didn't even shock me at all in the least. I, I would be surprised if they weren't doing that, right? I, would be, I was only surprised that it leaked uh, publicly the way it did. Uh, Hunter Biden is quite possibly the most compromised person that we've ever had being this close to the White House. And I'm not saying that based on, you know, my, my opinion, right? I'm saying that based on the emails, the reports, the money, his ties to these private equity firms that he still has stakes in, right? They say, well, he's off the board. They say, okay, you took his title off. That doesn't mean he doesn't still have a stake in the firm, right? That's what matters, the money. Um, and I, just from a perspective, you know, we know that China uses what they call yellow operations. So yellow involves anything that's uh, you know, intimate. Um, Hunter Biden's a guy where, and I remember I've had access to this hard drive he filmed all sorts of things and just strange videos, even when it was just himself, uh, very strange videos that this guy was filming. And to think that the Chinese don't have other videos of him as well as these videos that we've seen is, you know, it'd be ridiculous to think that they don't have that kind of stuff. So, yeah, you do have a situation here where very clearly this is someone who's compromised financially and compromised personally. 
And so with Joe Biden, it's really strange that he's taken this absolutist perspective, right? He told us at the debate, remember, go back to what he said to the American people. My son has not taken a cent from China. These, there were no transactions. It was a smear. And now it's, well, these transactions were looked to and nobody said there was anything problem, any problem with it. And then the latest is that Hunter Biden's come out and said, my father had no information about these. Right. It's just it's just a right? cascade so, of changing lies like the Hillary email situation, by the way. Right. Right. It's crazy. That's exactly right. And so you need to be up front with the American people. It's as simple as that. Be up front with the American people. And if there's something that happened that was wrong, be a man. Be an adult, and I say this to Joe Biden, this is your son, right? This is your son. It's time to step up and be the role model that, quite frankly, it looks like he never had. Jack Posobiec, One America News Network. Jack, great to have you, my friend. Take care. Thanks so much, Buck.